I usually get here, but you know, well, you know, get involved in the state of the church business, and then you end up late anyway. So how's everybody doing? Don't look at the secret knots that I'm making. All right. Our order of service this morning is on page 260 and something. I just browsed at it. Service of uh, prayer and preaching 260. Um, And our opening hymn is hymn 904. Which the Lord has made, let us from the rising of the sun to its setting. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is true. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
The first reading is from the fifth and sixth chapters of Hosea. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face in their misery. They will earnestly seek me. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that watered the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with Psalm 119.
second reading is from the fourth chapter of Romans. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir to the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath and Where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel song is 566.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is the gospel of the Lord. We continue on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where you Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory The Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for sermon hymn, Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake, hymn 688.
mercy, his peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we have in our lesson today, uh, it starts off kind of rocky. Uh, because in Hosea, we can see Hosea was a prophet who was sent, uh, well, I mean, truth be told, anytime God sent a prophet, it wasn't good news for Israel. Because oftentimes it was because Israel was straying from its path. And we see here sort of the foundation of, of our faith today, uh, our beginnings, because when we look at the New Testament reading in Romans, uh, we see Abraham and how Abraham waited on the Lord. Um, and boy, there's a story right there. You're 75 years old, and you get promised you're going to have a son, and your name is, is Abram, um, exalted father with no son, no children at all. Um, and then by the time he, he reaches 100, uh, finally he has a son. And then what happens after that? God says, take your son, your only son, and bring him to the place where I will show you, and there, sacrifice him to me. Now, I don't know if you've had this kind of experience with God, but that would be tough, wouldn't it? And maybe it's not that experience, but sometimes having faith is not the easiest thing in the world. But... I hope what we understand here is that faith is not our possession. As a matter of fact, I don't know how much really is our possession. Because we ourselves, well, I, I am me and I belong to me. Well, you're God's workmanship. God made you. Through the mediums of your father and your mother. And just like Abraham was sent Searching for a home. I think we grew up searching for a home as well. And if the home is without our Creator, then we are utterly lost. Tossed to and fro in the, in the ocean with the big waves and rogue waves and all of these things that happen and currents and riptides and all of the stuff that's in the world. The, the, the ocean was so rough that in the days of Hosea, in the days of Joel, in the days of the prophets, no one believed that God, that there was a God over the waves. Well, God proved them wrong there. God is the God even of the seas, of the waves. He can place, He can put out His hand and the waves obey Him. But here we see... In the, once again, we have several references right here. We have that uh, even when in Hosea we have uh, words like God is cutting us apart with his prophets. Um, poor Hosea, the prophet, he didn't have an easy life either. God told Hosea, he said, all right, I'm going to make you 
and your life a, a picture of a metaphor I want to teach to Israel. So here's how I want you to do this. I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Now, of course, Hosea comes back and says, well, excuse me, but I can marry whoever I want to marry. Well, um, okay. Um, sometimes that works out well. Other times, not so much. I'd say what? In the statistics these days, if people actually do get married, well, when they, are they still carrying on with the statistics? But what, 50, 51% uh, divorce? Even amongst Christians? Numbers aren't that good, are they? Well, anyway, God tells Hosea, marry a prostitute, and she continues on with what she knows. And the, the, the picture there is, you see, just like this woman does what she does, and it could have been just for our, uh, uh, it could have been the other way around, uh, a man straying and that sort of thing. You can't, you, you just, you can't stop doing what you do. And what do we do as sinners? We run away from God. What did Israel do? Israel ran away from God. And so God, God brings Hosea out to say, look, this is the message that I'm giving you. You have gone to other gods. You have, you have gone off to, to do whatever it is you want. Somehow you got the impression that you belong to yourself. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's this great nation of ours. It's such a blessing that sometimes we forget that we need God. And that's getting more and more. As a matter of fact, uh, what are we going to do to change that? Absolutely nothing. That doesn't really sound optimistic, does it? But if you've read the, the end of the... Bible, if you've read all the way through, you realize that there's a theme. God is gracious and merciful. You see, and that's another thing, because sometimes we, I hear people uh, saying that, well, you know, God used to be really angry, but then, you know, Jesus came along and said, oh, come on, God, that's a, Father, that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit tough. But Jesus himself, here you have um, in the Old Testament reading, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In verse 6 in Hosea, which is in the Old Testament. And then what do you have? You have, you go all the way over to Matthew in the Gospels, and Jesus says, uh, but go and learn what this means, as if you hadn't heard it before. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call Righteous but sinners. But I think we're kind of into, you know, we're, I don't know, we're into, well, you know, schizophrenic God, you know, Old Testament, uh, wrathful God, but now, whew, we don't have to worry anymore because God isn't, you know, as wrathful as he used to be because, you know, Jesus came and all that stuff. Well, God was never overly 
wrathful. Can God be wrathful today? God doesn't change. God's been working on a plan amongst us. For him, it's already done. He already knows the end. He knows the final chapter. He knows the statistics. God knows everything. But we, who do not have that privilege, or curse, whatever, whichever way you want to say it, we are reliant upon God's Word. Can God's Word stop death? Absolutely. Is that God's will? Based on history, ever since Adam and Eve, I would say, maybe not. How do we get to go to see God? For, unfortunately, through death. Why does God do what He does? I don't know. I'm not God. But sure enough, He has plans that are broader and wider and and taller and more depth than we can think of. We think of ourselves a lot. And we look at something and somebody does something, they did it to, to me. So I see my world oftentimes through what people did to me or didn't do to me, or maybe somebody showed kindness, and I remember that for a little bit, but Boy, if somebody crosses me, you know, maybe I remember that a little bit longer. I don't know. And as I grow older, hopefully I forget some of those things because we bear all of this stuff. And what do you do? Well, you go to church, right? You learn the rules. You learn the regulations. And some churches teach us that, hey, it's all in the rules and regulations. What have you done for God lately? If you were convicted and brought before the court, convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That kind of stuff. Well, what do we see here? We see God being a God of mercy. We see God promising to Abraham that he would have, he'd be the father of, of many nations. Abraham, that's what that is. He changed his name from Avram. You're not just going to be an exalted father, but you're going to be father of many nations. And here we sit, the children of the covenant, the promises. We are children of Abraham. Not necessarily from his body, although, I don't know, me and 20, does it go all the way back to ancient times? The times of yore? Are we children of Abraham biologically? I don't know. But certainly we are children of Abraham by faith. Because this faith that God gives us, it latches onto us and it motivates us to do things. I don't know if you realize that, but sometimes, you know, you could do certain things and then you think about God and about how good He is and the faith that He gives us, and all of a sudden, the anger 
starts to subside. And the root of that is in the faith that God has given. And Abraham is, is one of those things. This is why, as it says, Abraham uh, listened to God. Abraham left his place. God said, here, I'm going to show you another place, and we're going we're gonna to head out to that place. And what did Abraham do? He picked up everything and he went. And God blessed him with sheep and with you know, possessions and all. He wasn't a poor guy. But he always wanted a, uh, he always wanted to have his fam- a son and and all of those things that followed and and that was slow in coming. But he kept on. And we already I already told you know the the beginning of the story. But but if we read Abraham and we're doing that in our Bible study, we've read through Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob and now we're on to Joseph and boy. I mean, tough life. But they had faith beyond their circumstances that God was going to be there and He was going to rescue them, and continuously He did. He rescued them out of overwhelming depths. And what does it say? Because of that faith, because of the believing. And sometimes if we fool ourselves, we can think, man, Abraham was a great guy. And he, and, and he was in some ways. Was he in other ways? Oh, let's go back to Genesis and read. I mean, sometimes he was a chicken. He would introduce his wife as his half-sister. And then when, uh, we're not going to go into all of that. But, man, his wife had to put up with I mean, we would call Abraham at, you know, in certain, he was a piece of work. But he was a man of faith. And what does it say? This is why it was credited to to him as righteousness. Credited. Credited. Just like who you are is credited to you, who you really are. Not who you think you are, who you really are, is credited to you. But then, beyond that, there's a righteousness that is credited to you. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. And you know how that, because I, I get a little nervous when I, when I say that I am a righteous man. I get a little nervous because we're taught that no one is righteous, no, not one. We are all like sheep who have gone astray. We've gone our own way. But at the same time, we have been taught that Christ suffered and died on the cross for us, and He has done everything for us. He has paid for our sins through His suffering, through His death, and He has given us 
through the Holy Spirit, which we just celebrated, faith in a way that Father Abraham did not experience it. But that, but Father, do you think Father Abraham didn't have faith? Look at how much he put up with, and there was faith there as well. But we also have faith, and we have a sight that Father Abraham did not have through the Holy Spirit. And so when I reach out and I grasp God through faith, I grasp everything, the gifts, the promises, and the righteousness. I am righteous because of Christ. I'm not righteous because of my own deeds. Put another way, if you were brought into court and you were charged with being a Christian, Jesus Christ, the judge, would look at you and would say, well, if that was a charge, then you'd be guilty all day. Why? Because I know my sheep, I, the judge, know who my sheep are. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep follow me all the time. No. Many times, no. But my sheep hear my voice and they follow me because I have given them faith and I know their name and I lead them. And just like a shepherd looks at his flock and says, oh yeah, there's some stinkers out there. I'd be one of them. Oh yeah, there's that stinker out there. But Jesus knows me. I don't know why, I don't understand why, but he does. And he knows each and every one of his children. And he knows how many hairs you have on your head. And he knows all of these things. Does he know your hurts? Yeah. Does he have a plan beyond just you? Yeah. Is he there when things go rough for you? And believe me, things, I know humanly speaking, things can go so rough you can wonder, how am I going to survive? But does God know? And does, has God survived all of those things? Yes. How did he survive all of those things? Jesus on the cross, how did he get there? Did he climb up there? Did he crucify himself? No. Totally innocent. That's about as unfair as it can get for someone, much less for God. And God then absorbed what it's like. Jesus experienced it, and he knows it. There's really nothing you can tell Jesus about this life that he doesn't know personally. Maybe air conditioning, but I'm sure God has a little, you know, air conditioning running water that you can drink without having to treat it and all that stuff. You know, uh, gumbo. Uh, I don't know if Jesus ever had gumbo. Does he know what it tastes like? Oh, probably so. He probably invented it. He invented, God invented all kinds of things. Plus stuff that we've never even invented ourselves yet. 
every piece of land, everything that we have in there and things that we haven't even thought of, God already knows. Are we ever going to have your personal flying car? I don't know, but God knows. You see, there's all of that stuff, and then there's our everyday life that God also knows. But who is God after all of that? Well, who is He? Inform us by your faith. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is kind. Even though sometimes we don't feel that kindness and that mercifulness when He cuts us down, if we do something wrong. Or if, because you see the problem is, that we were born sinful. That's the problem. So we're all terminally ill. We're all going to to die. We're all terminally ill. And why does God continue to care for us? Because He loves us. He is merciful. He is kind. Even though we, we say we're well when we, you know, the older we get, the harder life is. Till finally we get old enough, and I've seen it enough being a chaplain and that sort of thing, where you visit with people in the hospital and they can't wait to get to heaven. Well, don't you want to stay here and live? No, they know that, that, that living is better because... Faith informs them, and they take hold of the promises, and beyond this life, oh boy, oh Nellie, it's much better. And faith informs us about that. But walking around here and imagining that we own everything, and this is ours, and uh, look at what this, and just living lives of, oh boy, look at what this person, and never smiling, and never having a sense of humor, and and none of that stuff, let that be for other people. We are poor, miserable sinners. But more importantly, we are people of faith. Can God prune us? Can He hurt our feelings? Absolutely. But it's only so that we might think, might meditate, and change our feelings and understand that God truly loves us and He truly cares for us and our loved ones. And since He owns everything, sometimes He's going to do stuff that we don't approve. Oh, God never checked with me on that one. Man, I tell you what. And here's my little go-to. If God checked with me on this one thing, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my only son to suffer and die a horrible, horrible death for you. Do you think I would approve that? Oh, no, I don't want anybody dying for me. I don't want anybody losing their life for me or suffering for me. I don't want any of that. to. I would, you know what? I'll suffer myself. Well, you know what? You suffering yourself gets you absolutely nothing because you're nothing to start off with. Poor, 
sinful being. And in order for you to be redeemed, something great has to happen, and God's willing to do it. And the minute He checks with me on it, I muck it up, not only for me, but for everybody out there. Just in the same way that Satan came up to Adam and Eve and said, you know what? God said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. You know why? Because he's keeping stuff from you, and you deserve to know. Right? You need to know everything. You need to be, how dare God hold stuff from you? And Adam and Eve swallowed it in more ways than one. And what happened? You and I have to go to church. We do. You have to listen to this knucklehead. Why? Because Adam and Eve, way back when, couldn't keep their hands off the fruit of that tree. They swallowed it. And so now we sit here and, you know, we might have things against God. And not everything that we might have against God is, is our fault. Some things are other people's fault. But you see, when sin comes into the world, it's indiscriminate. When illnesses take over, indiscriminate. Where's God? Didn't God promise to keep us alive forever and ever and ever? Oh, let's have a Bible study on that. We have a, she's not going to, she's not going to hear that. We have a dog at home that we would, we just wish would cross the rainbow or wherever. Because <laughs> that dog has forgotten her manners. That dog has to go, that dog goes. Wherever that dog wants to go. So what are we going to do? Shake our hands at God that he brought us this dog and now we live in the dog's toilet? Look, if we want to look at it that way, we can. But we realize that sometimes blessings bring curses, and sometimes there's a good and there's a bad. And man, we get up here, and you know, people have, I don't know how many people have stood here, and they've said, for better, for worse. They had no idea what better was going to be, and they had no idea what worse was going to be. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Man, boy, we didn't know what we were saying, did we? But in life, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And throughout all of that, the commitment before God, getting up in the morning and committing ourselves to God once again, being faithful children of God, we are inheritors of the promise that has gone all the way from Father Abraham to us. And it will continue until God closes the books on this creation, which I myself am having a hard time how is that? How? I, you know, I'd like to know my forwarding address. But that's not even relevant, is it? Neither is time. Neither is any of that stuff. God lives in, we can't even describe. We have representations of what Christ looks like, but is that a genuine portrait? We don't even know that. And yet we know God pretty intimately because he has given us of himself. 
especially faith and righteousness and mercy and peace and all of those things that come through God. So, let's take that, those possessions that we have. Let's count our blessings and let's live with the peace that surpasses all understanding through Christ, our Savior. Amen. Uh, we continue with the uh, offertory uh, verses, verses 4 and 5 of hymn 688. Rise for prayer. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our hearts and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. For the holy Christian church here and scattered throughout the world and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. For seasonable weather, for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. For those who labor, and for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. For all those in need, for the hungry, the homeless, for the widowed, the orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the dying, for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Especially we ask your continued prayers for the Clayson family and Greg, who um, continues recovering from his illness. We ask that you would lay your hand upon him and, and heal him. For Phil and Lorna, uh, Lorna um, Phil uh, 
is recovering or had a, a, a procedure um, done to remove um, surface melanoma. We ask your blessings upon him. For uh, Linda Wise, diabetic health issues. For all of those people that we have in our bulletin that we continue to have um, in front of us. You know each and every one of our issues. We ask that you would be with us. And if we are about to undergo something, we ask that you would prepare our spirits that we might be able to um, encounter, to go through what it is ahead. Because we know that in you, we have home, we have solid ground. And we ask that you'd continue to fill us with your faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Finally, for these and all of our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Let us pray. Lord God of all nations, you have revealed your will to your people and promised your help to us. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. A reading from Mark, chapter 1. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and had a leather girdle around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. A reading from Matthew, chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age.
A reading from Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In baptism, God brings us into his family and calls us his own. By baptism, God gives us the gifts of faith, love, life, forgiveness, and strength, and ask us to respond in faithfulness to him and in service to others. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the new life you have given us through baptism. Especially, we ask you to bless Melvia Smith, Arthur McCauley, Leonard Welch, Melanie Smith, Cameron Rodriguez, Jean Adams, Madison Walker, Sarah Hughes, Lori McCauley, Seth Bettisworth, Dakota Lindquist. On the anniversaries of their baptism, Continue to strengthen them with the Holy Spirit and increase in them your gifts of grace, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Our closing hymn is 537.